In developed countries like the United States, one in every four women experience at least one or more pelvic floor dysfunctions. Well, what does that mean? It means that one in every four women experience symptoms like urinary or fecal incontinence, pelvic organ prolapse, pain, and or more. So yeah, in today's episode, we'll be talking a lot about peeing and pooping, so if that's TMI for you, you might want to skip to the next one. If not, welcome! Before learning about pelvic floor therapy from Dr. Charis Hamilton, I absolutely had no idea how important it is for women around the world, especially mothers. I don't even think I knew pelvic floor therapy was a thing. Dr. Charis Hamilton is a pelvic health physical therapist specializing in women's health, specifically caring for pregnant and postpartum women. After earning her doctorate of physical therapy from Ithaca College, she moved to Port Orange, Florida to be with her husband. And shortly after, she was pregnant with her first daughter, Weslin. It wasn't until after the birth of her daughter that she started having her own pelvic floor dysfunctions, which led to her growing passion in women's pelvic health. She founded Maternal Fit Pelvic Physical Therapy after completing postgraduate training in women's health, pelvic health, and pelvic floor therapy, and became a certified pregnancy and postpartum corrective exercise specialist. She is dedicated to caring for women with an active, holistic, and whole body approach customized to your specific individual needs. So whether it's treating aches and pains during pregnancy, to rehabbing the postpartum body for return to exercise, or dealing with incontinence throughout any stage of your life, she's there to listen and help. My name is Hethel Bauman, and this is The Global Health Pursuit. Hello, my friend. I am so excited to have you on the podcast. For everyone who doesn't know, Charis is one of my very, very close friends, one of my best friends, and we've known each other for how many years? Your decades? <laughs> since, uh, was it since high school or middle school? Probably middle school, right? Yeah, middle school. Oh my gosh. Yeah, good times. I don't even remember the first time we met. I don't either. My gosh. So I am honored to have you on the podcast. I think this topic is something that I didn't know about just like a year ago. Mm -hmm. You currently practice physical therapy. And I remember you telling me that you wanted to start a practice within pelvic floor therapy. Mm -hmm. Knowing the person that you are, you've already set up <laughs> your whole office, your whole thing. And I was like, how did I not know about any of this? I'm more like, if I want to do it, I'm just going to do it. I better just go full force and full speed ahead. I know. You're very, very quiet until you got everything set up. Yeah, yeah. That's just you in a nutshell, I think. It's just so great. So you're physical therapist. You started a practice in pelvic floor therapy. Tell me why pelvic floor therapy? What was the first moment when you were like, this is something I'm really passionate about. I want to serve other women who are going through these problems, these issues. Yeah. So I'll kind of give you a background first of schooling. We go to school for years and years to get your first, you have to get, you know, undergrad and then you get, you can't get your doctorate, which I believe is what they all recommend now for physical therapy. And when I went back to school back in the day, I guess, <laughs> they honestly didn't even really have a full course on women's health. 
Right. And it was maybe one class or for three hours and that was it. And then the beauty about physical therapy is you can work in hospital, outpatient, rehab centers, long-term care. And those are all great settings to work in. But when I had Wesson, my first daughter, things just changed in your pelvic floor area. You start feeling extremely weak. You can possibly have some leaking, some symptoms of heaviness. And I'm the type of person when I don't know things, I kind of get scared. Mm. And I'm like, oh boy, I feel like I should know this. Especially being a physical therapist. Yeah. And having all of that schooling. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was like, I can't believe this is happening. I've exercised throughout school, after graduate school. During okay, let me, let me just say, this woman did CrossFit. I tried CrossFit for what, like a month? And I was like, okay, this is a lot. This is a lot. <laughs> And so when I started feeling extremely weak and had symptoms of heaviness and prolapse, it's like, how? How dare you? (laughs) (laughs) So after I had West and had all these symptoms, that's when I kind of started going back to continuing with education and just learning so much more about pelvic health. And then, you know, I'm returning to CrossFit. And of course, the first time I squat, I was like, whoa, this is not the same. Mm. I remember going back six weeks. I had already had my clearance from an OB. She says, go back to whatever you were doing, which was CrossFit. And I remember the first day I went back, I was like, this is not right. I should not be here. I'm way too weak. But why did nobody tell me this? Why did nobody tell me that the six-week mark is really not a good indicator of when you should go back to the level of activity you were doing before. As I'm studying, as I'm kind of diving, deep diving into pelvic health, I realized so many things. And then I going back to CrossFit and I'm realizing, wow, a lot of women probably do not know this. A lot of pregnant women trying to exercise in CrossFit, which is great, but you should still be watching your form. You should still be watching your breath if you're holding your breath how your pelvic floor muscles are, they engaged or not engaged during these activities. And then especially postpartum, you really, everyone should really be seeing a pelvic floor therapist to give you that clearance of, okay, hey, are you ready to go back to running? Are you ready to go back to Pilates? Are you ready to go back to even walking uphill? Because so many things can happen if you just try to rush back right away, especially if you've had a very intense pregnancy, labor, or delivery? Do we have any tearing? Was there an emergency C-section? Things like that. So all of this is so important. I just want to tell our listeners that you might hear a little bit of gurgling or a little babbling in the background because we have a little baby. We have a special. Charis's third daughter. (laughs) So (laughs) it's mom life. That's how it is. Gotta roll with it. (laughs) Okay. So I want to take things really, really basic. So what what is the pelvic floor? So your pelvic floor, it is pelvic, there are pelvic floor muscles. So pelvic floor muscles are the muscles that can live in your pelvic bowl, which is between your pelvic bones from your pubic bone all the way to your tailbone. And these are the muscles that are responsible for stability, support. They have sphincteric roles, which means they are the ones that control when you release gas, when you release urine, things that come in and out of that vaginal canal, any all the holes that you have in your anatomy. Because it shares its attachment with your pelvis and your hip, your tailbone, your sacrum, I consider your pelvic floor really to be a combination of your front, your core, your lower abdomens your back muscles, your glute muscles, your inner thighs, all of that I believe is considered your pelvic floor. But specifically, you have your pelvic floor muscles. Okay. 
And how does that anatomy change when you start to have babies? Well, during pregnancy, obviously, you're going to gain a lot of weight. You're going to gain a lot of weight. There's going to be a lot of pressure just from being pregnant. So a lot of times, if you are not aware of your posture, posture changes throughout pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Just because the weight is forward, then sometimes I see a lot of women, their pelvis moves forward, and then they're starting to kind of tilt. And then when you start tilting, your low back starts to have an increased arch. And then because depending on if you're carrying twins or the way you're walking, then we can start to literally see a waddle that is rotating in the wrong direction. And then a lot of things can be compensated if you're not aware. And then you go through labor delivery throughout that time. All your There's a lot of hormones that come into play. A lot of ligaments are kind of more relaxed just to help you with pregnancy. So there are a lot of changes throughout pregnancy. And then you have your labor and delivery. Right. A lot of things can happen during labor and delivery, you know, where pelvic floor muscles can be extremely lengthened or if you've had a traumatic labor and delivery, they can kind of get into a tightened position. So the the patients that come to you, what do they most complain about? Yeah, so I, I see a whole bunch of patients, whether you're pregnant or not pregnant. If you're a woman, I can see you. And a lot of times I see there's a lot of leaking and there's different types of leaking. Are you leaking only when you're coughing? Are you leaking only when you're sneezing? Are you just leaking? When you say leaking, what do you mean by that? Leaking as in you can leak urine or you can leak feces. Mm. So urinary or bowel incontinence. Mm -hmm. And that's where your pelvic floor muscles can play a role because one of their roles is to be able to control the release of urine, the release of gas and stool. Or I see a lot of complaints of heaviness. They feel something might can be falling out again or it's that sensation. It might not be literally happening, but it's that sensation of, wow, it feels like something's falling out. It feels heavy. I feel like there's something bulging out. Mm. Or I actually see a lot of low back pain, a lot of hip pain because of the changes that could have happened during pregnancy. And so when you say bulging out, what is that? A lot of people complain about the pressure of things coming out. Like, oh my gosh, I had my baby, but I feel like something is still hanging out. Something feels like it's bulging out like their internal organs. And that should not feel that way. It's very common to have those complaints, but that's not normal. Gotcha. I want to say that in doing some research, I saw that in developed countries like the US, one in every four women actually experienced this. At least one or more pelvic floor dysfunction issues, which is like, we're talking about 25% of women. What do you think the percentage of women who actually know about pelvic floor dysfunction is? Probably just 25%. 25, maybe 50%. I mean, now with the help of social media, I think it has definitely increased. Now I'm pretty open. So I have no problems talking about pee and poop. And but I think the more it's talked about, the more the conversation can be easier, but also just more. More people are open about talking about it and realizing that all these peeing and pooping problems are not normal, then maybe more women will seek out more help. You had mentioned that you went to your OBGYN and she was like, okay, you're ready. You can you can go back to doing CrossFit. You're all good. Where do you think the disconnect is there? Because 
you would think that maybe your OB would say, oh, you need to go to therapy or you need to do this or that. Where do you think the disconnect is? I feel like there's so many factors. OBs, they're so busy, or at least the one I went to was just so busy. And unfortunately, they just don't spend more than more than 15 minutes with you in the office. So right. the quick, easy thing to say, if you did have an easy pregnancy and no complications and pretty easy labor and delivery without any complications, they're just like, okay, just go back. Right. A lot of OBs, if they took the time to explain like, hey, you would benefit from pelvic floor therapy, that'll be great. But I think a lot of times they just don't have that time to explain it to patients. And a lot of OBs are also surgeons. They're focused on very medical routes through medicine, through surgery. Right. And physical therapy is more of a conservative treatment where we're not using medicine and we're using just muscle, trying to work on your strength and range of motion. But a lot of OBs, you know, and there's more holistic ones now who are more into natural and more conservative treatments. But a lot of OBs are just like, okay, we can schedule an induction. Okay, let's schedule your C-section. Well, right. you know, you just find the practitioner that vibes with you and shares the same feelings. And hopefully that can help with your pregnancy and postpartum. Gotcha. So when people think, okay, I have some type of pelvic floor dysfunction, what do they think they need to do? Because I saw on your on your Instagram there's a post that says, you mean it's not all just kegels? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people, if they have that feeling of, oh my goodness, I feel like something's falling out. A lot of people's automatic response is, I better pull that back in. I better try to suck it up and tighten it up so that it doesn't feel like it's falling out. But honestly, kegels is really not functional. And a lot of people actually don't need it back in the day. They said, do 100 Kegels a day. You'll be sure to have a strong pelvic floor muscle. But honestly, with more research and more functional assessments, that's really not the case. So a lot of people, they come in, they're like, well, I tried doing Kegels, but now I feel worse or my pain has gotten worse. Why is that? And a lot of times I find that women have an overactive pelvic floor muscle where that's not functional and that's not strong either. And then we have to kind of undo that. Huh. When you say overactive pelvic floor muscle, like what what does that really mean? So because it's a muscle, every muscle should kind of just like my biceps right. should be able to lengthen. Here's over lengthen, which when you're at an over lengthened position, you're also not weak and also not functional. Okay. No one should be carrying a gallon of milk with an, a hypermobile elbow. Gotcha. But your muscles should also be able to contract, relax, contract, have a controlled relaxation. Uh-huh. If you have any overactive muscle, you're kind of only working in this range of motion. Like the contractions. Right. And so if you say, okay, let's do 100 Kegels or 100 push-ups or even 100 squats a day, that muscle is usually tends to get overactive. It tends to either just spasm because it's just working too hard. Uh, it's like the concept of like resting in between the amount of rest versus, am I right? Or am I? Yeah. A lot of people don't work leg days back to back because a lot of times you can overwork those muscles. And when a muscle is overworked, if you're trying to work your legs again, but they're already sore, you're definitely not going to get the same 
result as you did if that muscle was rested and not sore. No, that makes so much sense. Yeah. So when people are like, oh, I did 100 Kegels for 30 days, you're thinking, oh my goodness, wow, that is a lot of Kegels. Your pelvic floor muscles are really delicate, I like to say. You know, they're not big muscles. They're they're very powerful. And they play a big role, but you do not need to, no muscle you should do every day for 100 times. So it's unfortunate that back in the day, they said do 100 Kegels for so much. And now people come with me complaining of, okay, there's pain. I thought I was supposed to feel better with this heaviness, but I feel worse. Or why am I leaking more? So there is adverse reactions when exercise is not prescribed the right way, or the type of exercise is not prescribed the right way. Right. It's so interesting, because I haven't Obviously, I don't have children at this point. And maybe if I did, then maybe I would know about it. But when you think about our older generations, nobody's really known about pelvic floor therapy. And like the research that you were saying was, oh, do 100 kegels every day, and then you'll be fine. And I think it's just recently coming to light that that's not the only thing you should be doing, or that's not even what you should be doing in the first place. And so it's just very interesting that this has been coming up just like in the past decade or so, you know, mm-hmm. that's why I'm I'm so interested about it, because we both have immigrant parents. Mm-hmm. My parents are from India, your parents are from China. And did your parents even know like, when you said, I'm going to become a pelvic floor therapist, like what it, What did they think about that? Well, I unfortunately don't think they really know what physical therapy is, but that's just because we have a language barrier. But if I were to explain it to them, I don't think they would know because I I really, you know, especially in my culture, in my household, we never talked about peeing, pooping, intercourse, things like that. So even opening up that be like way, way, way. I know that makes it very limiting then. It does. I think it's also the cultural barrier. So like when you, for example, like in India, it's the same thing. I think it's like this Asian culture where you keep all of that and all of the sex talk and the Uh anything that's related to your reproductive organs, like even when you get your period, that stuff is under wraps. Like nobody knows about any of this except for your sister or your mom. I mean, minus the sex talk, but it's it's a huge cultural thing. And so that's what I did some digging. And I found a couple studies that focused on pelvic floor therapy within the country of Bangladesh. And there's mm-hmm. a couple of studies by this one guy named R.M. Islam. And he had found that 35.3, so basically a more than a third of women in Bangladesh had more one or more pelvic floor dysfunctions. Mm-hmm. He had mentioned that urinary incontinence was the most common dysfunction and the odds of urinary incontinence were significantly greater with increasing poverty. I mean, it makes sense because you don't have who knows if these people are even going to the doctor, you know? Right. It was just interesting to me, more than one third. And then one of every six women who had pelvic floor dysfunction had pelvic organ prolapse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think like what you said, the the whole cultural barrier, the language barrier and all of that stuff, even within the country, low and middle income countries, it's like 
I'm just too embarrassed to talk about my issues down there and I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to continue on with living like this. Right. Have you seen things like that here as well? Like with women being super embarrassed about me even going out or wearing tight clothing or things of that nature? I've seen a lot of women where they come to me, they're like, I've tried this, this and this. And five years later, I still have these symptoms, you know, and it's they're like, okay, they always say, I don't know if this is TMI. But I'm like, nothing here is TMI. But it's funny when everyone says that because you're like, everyone must feel like it's very embarrassing to talk about or it's too much. It literally is too much information, but not to a public floor therapist. And then I find a lot of times that like, wait, these symptoms started five years ago. And now you're coming to see me now. So it's maybe because they didn't know about it, or they just brushed it off, or they thought things would naturally get better by themselves. I'm sure that happens elsewhere too. Yeah. It's like the whole, I'm embarrassed to talk about this. Your job is actually to talk about this. So it's like, so when people say that, they're like, wait, it's not TMI. I'm like, no, they're like relieved in a way because it's like, wow, someone is finally listening to something I've been embarrassed about, which is very nice to. I love my job, you know, because you see like that mind blowing, the mind blowing emoji. And the good thing is your pelvic floor muscles, because it's kind of like in the center of your core, and it's so part of all your systems that you fix, you address your pelvic floor muscles and a lot of other things kind of follow along. So there's improvement, you can have symptoms of prolapse, of that heaviness. Oh, and then next thing you know, you're not leaking as much. Oh, and then next thing you know, like that hip pain is going away. It is a really nice specialty to treat. It's almost like a therapy session. And but that I love being able to provide that for women because I think a lot of times in the healthcare system, you go in your doctor's office, you have five to ten minutes to tell them all your problems. I'm gonna give you more time, and I think a lot of women need that. You realize at the end of the session, like, wow, all of this kind of is all related or it all makes sense or it all comes together. Hey there, I hope you're enjoying this episode. I'd like to thank the sponsor of today's episode, aka me. I know this is very different from the usual ads you might hear on podcasts, but hey, a girl's got to rep herself in this crazy world because if I don't, who will? Look, It wasn't easy leaving a stable and secure corporate job at one of the biggest healthcare companies out there. I went through burnout, depression, and so much healing. But I see the light at the end of the tunnel. And with your help, I know I can get there. All I ask of you is to do one or more of these three things. A. Click the support this podcast link in the description to donate a few dollars one time or monthly if you feel so inclined. B. Write a review on Apple Podcasts, and or rate me on Spotify to give me a boost in the algorithm. Or C, share this episode with someone who would love this episode just as much as you do. I truly and deeply appreciate you. Let's get back to the episode. Do you ever work with your patient's spouses or significant others and talk to them about how they can support their person. They're always welcome to bring their spouse, their boyfriend, their babies. If everyone wants to have this conversation, yes. So it's, but a lot of women kind of want to address it on their own. It all depends on the person, I guess. Yeah. 
But yeah, I'm definitely, I've seen spouses in there and it's nice when they realize there are so many factors that can be going into what they're feeling. And then I kind of go over the process of pregnancy, labor, delivery, and then they have a real true appreciation of what women can do. It's like, I can, I can fix this. I don't have to live with this forever. Yeah. Like I said, mind blown emoji. Yeah, yeah. That is nice to have women realize all of that. It's so important. So if there was one book that you would recommend women, if they want to just learn about this, maybe if they're starting to feel symptoms and they just want to learn a little bit, what would you recommend them read? I really liked Restoring Your Pelvic Floor and Healing Pelvic Pain. Even if you don't have any pain right now, that book really does go back to the basics and kind of does a little explanation of kind of what I said, which it's always helpful to explain to women that before you go straight into treatments. Right. So you kind of get that understanding of what we're working with first. Yeah, Healing Pelvic Pain and Restoring Your Pelvic Floor. Those are definitely good books you can just get off online. Yeah, so I'll throw those links down in the description, along with the other three books that she had recommended. So I think the last question I want to ask you is, if people have questions for you, where are you right now? So if, if anybody is listening in your area and is having these symptoms, they can come and contact you. They can talk to you about all the things that they're going through. Yeah, I mean, you can link my Instagram to my business account, the Maternal Fit Pelvic Physical Therapy. You can message me there. I have my email and my phone number. And if anyone is even interested in pelvic floor therapy, I always recommend, I can do phone consults a lot of the times, but I do prefer the initial assessment to be Mm hands-on. Google is great to just Google pelvic floor therapist near me. Right. And I would recommend calling them and hopefully they're able to provide a free complimentary like 15-minute consult to see if this sounds like the right thing for you if that if that therapist sounds like she's going to be listening and helping you with your issues and then there are directories that you can find public floor therapists so i can probably give you that link too yeah for sure and i'll throw that in the description i think that's so important so if you're listening and you are having any of these symptoms get on the google grab the book And learn a little bit more because this is something that is so important within maternal health. And we often overlook it. And I think we also overlook it because as moms, we just have so much on our plate that tending to ourselves. You kind of put yourself on the bottom of the pole. (laughs) But I like to say, and I kind of followed this now after having my third kid, you really need to take care of the moms because the moms do run the household. In my household... It's my household. If mommy's not taken care of, no way. Lunches are not going to be packed. (laughs) No one's going to get a shower. (laughs) But to any women out there who is even questioning if they need it or not, they likely do. Women have such good instincts about themselves and their body. They should be. They should be listening to their bodies and listening to them. if, If your body's trying to tell you, hey, something is up, please address me right now. And... Even if you don't have kids, you can still have a lot of pain. Pain with intercourse. Hey, I'm trying to have a baby with my boyfriend, but we can't even enjoy it. I see a lot of women for that who they're not even pregnant yet, but they're trying to get pregnant. And a lot of women think, I'll just muscle through and it'll be okay. But 
that's not enjoyable. That's not pleasurable. So if pregnant, not pregnant, if you have any doubts that you need it, I'm guessing you probably do and that you should get it definitely taken care of because things can get worse if it doesn't get taken care of and other things can start to compensate. And then you you don't want to come see me in five years. Yeah. But is it ever too late? Oh, definitely not. It's never, never, never too late, honestly, because muscles are, they're so easy to work with. You can, and that's a good thing. We have a lot of research on strengthening, um, addressing range of motion, things like that. So, and we have a lot of tools and techniques to do that. It's just a matter of you committing to it, just like, hey, I want to lose 60 pounds. Well, that takes commitment, that takes dedication. Mm -hmm. So as long as you are willing and open to different exercises, to different concepts, pelvic floor therapy is also not just exercise. It's we take a look at your bladder habits. We take a look at your how your poop is, the consistency of it, what your diet is. We take a look at how you manage your stress. How are you sleeping? Because all of that plays a role in how you hold tension and how your nervous system reacts throughout the day. And that can kind of be present in your body. And that ties into your entire mental well-being Yeah, throughout the whole day. Oh, wow. Yeah. Take care of mamas. It's nice when you see women come to me and they're and then you treat them and they're like mind blown, mind blown, you know, and then they're so proud of themselves and they're so happy that they took a stand for themselves. And you're just like, yeah, you know, <laughs> yes. <laughs> or just yes to women who just came and saw because they had pain. And they're like, oh, I don't have to muscle through it anymore. Or like, oh, wait, the pain is gone. And you're just like, yay, you don't have to live with those symptoms. Ah. So good. So, so, so good. Charis, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you have three little girls. You're a super mom. And I am so grateful for this conversation. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to learn more about today's topic and our guest today, head over to www.globalhealthpursuit.com to get access to resources, links, and ways you can get involved in the pursuit for global health. And if you love this episode, don't forget to write me a review on Apple Podcasts and rate the podcast on Spotify. It helps me get in front of more people just like you and continues to elevate the causes that we are so passionate about. This episode was hosted and written by me, Hathal Baman, and was produced and edited by Anna Corinne Howard. I'll see you in the next one.